everyone, and welcome to the Movie Shed Podcast. I'm, of course, your cinema-loving, shed-dwelling host, Mike. If the title didn't get you uh, thinking what I'm going to talk about today, yeah, I don't know what to say, but that does it is a pertinent question. Who run Bada Town? Naturally, it's Master Blaster. So let's talk about some Mad Max. You know, Mad Max is one of those really interesting film series that I really do like a lot. Australian-based, dystopian future. That the, the future, the dystopian future gets worse and worse with each and every film. <laughs> it as it, it's really funny because when uh, the very first Mad Max came out, the Road Warrior came out, it was a slightly worse version of a modern day. You know, there were still towns and peoples and police forces and so on and so forth. It was just a little worse. Then we get to the next one. (laughs) And that one is even worse. Now you have people who are fleeing various places. There's the, the... Gasoline is really just the only valuable resource around, and everyone's willing to fight over it. Then you get to Thunderdome, and everything has completely collapsed into this post-apocalyptic shithole, all represented by Bartertown, and it... (laughs) And it's uh, and we could never get beyond Thunderdome. Ah, there's an old joke. And then we get Fury Road, which is kind of the a real culmination of just how bleak the world of Mad Max has become. Ah, uh, a fascinating, fascinating film series. It really is. But what makes it so interesting? I mean, we've had post-apocalyptic and dystopian films before. Some have tried in their own ways to kind of recreate, at the very least, the look and feel of the Mad Max films. Uh, I can think of one off the top of my head called The Book of Eli, which was silly, to say the least. I did not much care for it. (laughs) I know there were some people I, I've I've talked with that they thought you know hey no it's it's, it's it was okay it was okay uh, no the twist at the end was stupid it really was and it was but that we're not talking about the book of Eli we're talking about Mad Max and really kind of the genre of film that it didn't so much spawn I mean the post apocalyptic thing had been around for ages it was. A re-examination of the entire idea of the post-apocalyptic film, the setting and stories that can take place therein. And it really had a bit of a revival in other forms of media. Uh, Let's look at, like, say, uh, video games. Look at the Fallout series. Very much a post-apocalyptic dystopian future and it's quite quite popular and all and I can't say that this is all thanks to Mad Max clearly not I mean when the Road Warrior first came out 
quite honestly, uh, it was just one of many films that had a post-apocalyptic thing. It was kind of the, the thinking of the time. You know, what was the biggest fear people or expectation that people had on the future? And, and at the time, you know, the future was bleak. You know, uh, resources are running out. There's going to be conflict and civilization will collapse and so on and so forth. And it, it was just one of a handful of films that had come out at about the same time that was kind of exploring that as a topic. But what I think set Mad Max apart was because it's Australian. Australians have a very interesting culture that's actually pretty analogous to American culture. Uh, both cultures have a love of the muscle car. We just do. You know, th this is something that, by and large, uh, Europe, and Britain in particular, simply doesn't have. There, there's something about muscle cars that kind of baffles and sometimes offends the European sensibility. And yet, to Americans and Australians, the muscle car is the ultimate pinnacle of driving and having this immense amount of power under the hood. And it really shines through with the fact that in the first Mad Max film is his Interceptor. This tricked out, incredibly powerful Ford Interceptor. And it's just an incredible piece of machinery. And it carries on. True that uh, they introduce a whole bunch of interesting th vehicles and things, but if we look at the culmination of the entire Mad Max film series, we look at Fury Road, the last Mad Max film, a film which is amazing. Is it the greatest film of all time? No, of course not. But it is really, really good. It featured all sorts of vehicles. Hell, they had for, you know, Immortan Joe's group, the Cult of the V8, something that would definitely resonate with both Australian and American audiences because we have a kind of de facto cult of the V8 in both countries and we've had for decades this love affair of incredible hard you know hard power under the hood you know we we can definitely see that and we can really resonate the the reason that I think that Mad Max kind of stands out really is just because of those cultural touchstones. It's, it's touching on something very primal in the culture. Now, is everyone in Australia, or the U.S. for that matter, you know, huge, huge petrol heads? No. No, not everyone is. But there is a substantial number that, you know, even if they're not really into cars... They can look at a big muscle car, you know, whatever it happens to be, and hear that thing rev up and go, oh yeah, that sounds mean. There's a bit of an appreciation there. A lot more than, you know, say in Europe. I think that's where Mad Max really hits a sweet spot where other post-apocalyptic films, they were more focused on 
just the fact that the whole thing is bleak, that the whole thing is desolate. And while Mad Max has the bleak and the desolate, it has this one thing, this little touchstone, that just speaks to a large number of people. And it just hits it just right, and every time. And it's it's a, a phenomenon. If you can point to someone who's watched any of the Mad Max films, Fury Road included, and look at that and go, I'm not so sure, eh, whatever, it's kind of run-of-the-mill. More often than not, it's because they're just not that interested in the cars involved, especially Fury Road. You know, I've known some folks who looked at Fury Road and thought, you know, it was it was a completely overblown kind of thing. Oh, no, it's not that good a film. It's like, well, no, it's not the greatest film in the world. That's hyperbole, to be sure. But it is a really good film. It does have really good characters. But what it set it all apart was this incredible act, gritty action with all of these interesting and cool vehicles that really uh, got people interested in and glued to the screen. And if you pointed out to the folks who really didn't like it, it was because they weren't all that interested. To them, the vehicles were just kind of there. They didn't have a real interest in that sort of thing. And I think that's what made Mac Mad Max and the, all the films of Mad Max really stand out from a lot of the post-apocalyptic films that had come out before, during, and after each of the films. And why Mad Max is remembered quite fondly, and the others have kind of faded away. And it's because they were able to find something that, that fine, finally touched on a cultural touchstone that really spoke to people. And it's not something, you know, it's not a fad. You know, the love of cars is not a fad that, you know, showed up, was big for a little bit, and disappeared. The love of cars has been around for ages and ages. The fact that it's not going away, and because Mad Max has so neatly dovetailed itself into that car culture, that it's not going to go away either. It won't fade. You know, sure, it may, its fan bases may shrink a bit, but honestly, as soon as you bring it up, it's like, oh, yeah, right. And then you start talking about the vehicles. Ah, that Ford Interceptor, and how about that vehicle? And uh, you remember that film? It had this, and so on and so forth. And it's really quite, it's really quite interesting to see how it was able to do that. I think it was quite a brilliant idea. Honestly, though, because it's an Australian film, I don't think it was a conscious effort to do that. It was just they loved cars and they and it was, you know, they had access to a lot of cheap cars and they wanted action and they thought, you know, oh man, you know it would be really great if we had this really big muscle car for Max and just he was running screaming down this highway and yeah, that would be great. It was a movie of car guys making a movie, a post-apocalyptic movie with other car guys in mind. <laughs> it really is fascinating. So, you know, who who runs Bartertown? Well, in this case, it's the the guys in the car culture. They 
honestly, if you have someone who's a big car nut, a big petrol head in your life, and they've watched Fury Road, ask him a very simple question. Be like, hey, you know uh, that Fury Road movie? Can you tell me about any of the vehicles in that film? The fact that they will pinpoint a couple of very particular vehicles that they really, really enjoyed and will talk about incessantly. That should be a big proof of concept right there. That it's like, oh yeah, they'll be able to pinpoint accuracy, tell you about the various vehicles. You know, from Bullet Farmer to you know, the People Eater, Morton Joe himself, Mad Max Furiosa, it doesn't really matter. They will tell you. <laughs> it's just incredible. Uh, I really did enjoy the Mad Max films. I have all of them, <laughs> naturally. Uh, it's such an interesting, interesting film. Its setting is kind of, believe it or not, its setting is pretty run-of-the-mill. It, it's just a fairly typical, you know, post-apocalyptic wasteland. It's such a not over the top. It's just kind of there. It is a real surprise. You know, it's not that interesting of a world, really, because there's hardly anything in it. And we've seen these kinds of post-apocalyptic films before in these kinds of settings. And then I always wondered, you know, what makes the Mad Max series so different from all the others? I mean, I've seen so many of these kinds of films set in the post-apocalyptic wasteland that, you know, after a while they all kind of blend together. But for some reason, Mad Max always stood out to me. Why is that? And it's because of the cars. It's because of all of these wild and fascinating vehicles that they always include. You know, the, the Thunderdome, it, when it came to Thunderdome, they didn't really have the typical vehicle things, and it's remembered more for its more comedic. And some people really loved Thunderdome for its more comedic take on things, and others really didn't like it because it didn't have the the kinds of vehicles that they wanted to see. And then you had Fury Road, which brought all of those wild and fascinating vehicles back and put them forefront. And then it was like the greatest film ever. Quite honestly, you know, Thunderdome wasn't, wasn't as well received as the others. So I suppose... That's kind of a way of gauging whether or not it was going to be it was going to last. You know, beyond Thunderdome, it has its it has its moments, and it, it's a fun film to watch. I mean, come on, who who can not say anything about Master Blaster and the very quotable lines: Two men enter, one man leaves." It's come on, but because of the lack of the really cool and seemingly kind of missing vehicles that had always been, you know, front and center in the Mad Max films, it was a bit jarring. But, you know, that that's just an opinion of mine. 
it's just something I kind of noticed and kind of thought about, and I wondered, you know, maybe that's why it's so well-remembered and why the, the series keeps going and why it has such a, an incredible following. But I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong, and it's for some really silly reason. I don't know. But I think that's going to be it for me for today. So it's time to close up the old shed, but I will see y'all next time.